subscribe to the to the belief that if you're afraid of something it, it actually means that you're supposed to go pursue it and if so, you know if something scares you that, that, that there's actually something there to that welcome back to basic brain heart the show where we celebrate and interrogate creatives hey guys today i'm so excited we've got mark osborne on the show uh, you might know him from kung fu panda uh, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, The Little Prince, more. He directed all of those and is a force of nature when it comes to the creative world. It was really fun to hear his backstory um, and also a lot of the lessons he's learned in his journey as a writer, a producer, a director. And one of the most impactful things I think uh, he mentioned during our chat was is that we don't need to wait for permission to make something. And, and he certainly has lived that by example. We get into everything from how men in the industry can open doors for women in animation and beyond to what separates a good story from a great story and so many other things. So I hope you enjoy this discussion as much as I did having it. Uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Mark. Mr. Mark Osborne, thank you for taking some time to chat today. I so appreciate it. No doubt your sure. schedule's busy these days. Are you up sure. to anything fun? Um, yeah, actually uh, writing and developing um, a few new projects and, um, you know, Exciting. all very top secret. But yes, uh, no doubt. Yeah, kind of jumping back into the creative fray, which has been nice. That's fun. Do you kind of get time to focus more on the creating piece, the writing piece, and of course then separately the directing piece, if I can speak today? Um, are those pretty separate or do you have a lot of things going all at once typically? It kind of gets mushed together. I mean, you know, I kind of came at this just as a, as a filmmaker and I just kind yeah. of, I started making shorts and wanted to do stuff. So, so the process has always been sort of just like a, a messy, sloppy sort That's of creative great. process. But in between, it. like once I finish a production, you know, it's like I say I'm never going to do it again and I'm <laughs> exhausted. And, and I this time, I you know, I was pretty serious this time. And then, um, you know, slowly I start to miss being, you know, doing it and wanting yes. to sort of do something else. And I start to find stories that I want to tell again and, you know. Um, and then, you know, and on the little Prince, I actually had about 20 months of, of almost solid promotion. Wow. So I, Oh man. Yeah. So that gave me time to sort of process and enjoy, you know, the movie getting out in the world, all over the world. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And Netflix picking it up. I kind of was, I stayed in touch with Jinko, um, as things were unfolding a little bit. I know that there was some uncertainty, but I was really happy when Netflix finally picked it up and I'm sure you were very happy as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a long and complicated history, unfortunately, no yeah. you know, when a, and a film, an independent film True. Uh, tries to find distribution, it can be it can be a quite yeah. uh, tricky yeah. for us. We, we actually were very lucky because we found distribution all over the world. 
sure. you know, just because of the strength of uh, the little prince and people really responded to what we were doing with the movie. And um, so, yeah, that was kind of like the final uh, sort of the final territories for us were the ones that Netflix picked up the US, UK sure. and Australia and New Zealand. And, and they've been amazing partners. And it's like, yeah, it's it was just nice to finally have the film yeah. sort of out everywhere, you know. No kidding. But 20 months of promotion, that sounds pretty exhausting for sure. Well, I got to go to 12 different premieres in 12 different countries. Wow. Yeah. Moly. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was insane. It was insane. And on one of the like trips, insanity. I got wow. to bring my son to the, the first trip we took, um, which was to Brazil. Nice. And my son went with us, even though they had dubbed, you know, he, he was the voice of the little prince in the English version, but they dubbed him into Portuguese. And so... You know, but we, but it was still it was a really nice trip for us, and we got to hear the Portuguese version, and and that's when I discovered, actually for the first time, that when um when they were dubbing all the voices, especially the voice of the Little Prince, they would always keep Riley's laugh. So even when they were dubbing oh. the, the uh, they kept my son's laugh. I in love there. it. Yeah, that's it was really, really special. cool. How yeah. was that for Riley and you? I'm curious about the parent-child relationship, sort of working on a project together. How was that? Well, and you know, in the early days, it was just fun, and he was just helping, just like my daughter was helping. Sure, she was the temporary voice for the little girl, and Riley was the temporary voice for the little prince. And it just so happened that you know we, we sort of captured something fun and magical and really genuine, um, because we there wasn't a lot of pressure. It was just it was he was just helping out his dad, and oh, so sure. It was, so um, to have it sort of stay in the movie, we didn't tell him for a long time, not until the trailer was debuting. Oh, wow. The trailer debuted and he and he, you know, he was like, what? My voice is still in there. That what? was like, yeah, it was really, <laughs> I don't know, it was fun. And I, it makes the movie a million times oh, more special. You know, the whole process for me was a very, very family oriented. It was very much a family project beginning to end. And um, so, so cool. to, yeah, to have him be part of it is just uh you know, really just amazing to me. I love it. No, that's, that's really, really fascinating. And, um, I'm actually really curious about your backstory because both you, of course, and your brother Kent, um, are incredibly creative and, uh, creative forces almost in today's day and age, especially when it comes to uh, content for children. Um, I'm super curious to hear where you come from and what sort of background prepared both of you for this life of creativity and creative content making. Uh, the, that's interesting because like, I, you know, when I look back, I'm sort of not exactly sure. Like, I mean, who knows? <laughs> well, was in the water. I mean, our, our, we were, we were always supported by our parents to, to do creative things. And, you know, we were both in theater and we were both, um, taking art classes and piano. And it's like, I think, um, you know, we were encouraged greatly to, to sort of explore creative pursuits. And, and, you know, my parents weren't artists that, you know, they, but they, they, um, kind of gave us a foundation of, mm. um, exploring that. And, and also we had a really great, um, in elementary school back in, um, Woodstock, Vermont, we had, there was a really great art teacher named Mr. Gyra, Frank Gyra. And he was a, he was an artist and he was really inspiring. And, and I think that, you know, I think that laid a foundation that we just kind of kept exploring, my brother and I. Um, and we were all, you know, doing different things, you know, between acting and um, uh, creating art. And, my, you know, my brother was yeah. writing. He was uh, he really inspired me. Everyone thinks he's my younger brother, but he was actually my older brother. And I think I really looked up to him and he awesome. he's way more multi-talented than I am. And um, 
you know, I think the, the thing that ended up happening, he pursued acting, he went to acting school, I pursued art and then eventually animation. And mm. we sort of came back together and made films like we did in high school just for fun. And so, um, and one of the, we made a film uh, together. Kent wrote the script and he starred in it and I directed it. It was a, like a low budget live action movie. <laughs> and we premiered it at Sundance. But, um, that, you know, the thing that happened was that film was seen by Steve Hillenberg, who I went to school with. And awesome. Steve and I were friends at CalArts and he really liked the writing. And so he hired Kent as a writer on SpongeBob. And Kent started that's to really great. explore not only writing, but but um, he that's where he really strengthened his his art. And he started boarding and he started like he kind of really he it did an amazing job of sort of like becoming a very well-rounded artist after. Wow. You know, um, I don't know. So he sort of comes at it from uh, many different angles, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm, I'm like that's his so biggest cool. fan. Yeah, and, no, and that's that's really, really awesome. And I think it's, it's interesting. It doesn't seem like there's anything special, quote unquote. But I think it's really cool that you both have kind of been able to be on this journey together, um, and and have supported each other so much. That's super cool. Did you ever? Well, I'm kids, I think, I, we were incredibly um, um, competitive. And I think we, I think <laughs> that, that I think that <laughs> that's also part of it. Yeah. Like we, and, and we, we sort of, yeah, like we fought like crazy, but, but we were like also best of friends and it kind of would turn on a dime. And, um, but it wasn't until I moved away to California to go to Cal arts that mm. I, I just really missed him. And, and, and we, we, I think once we were like separated, I think we realized. And so he ended up moving to California and we, we rented a house together and we lived together for a while. And, um, you know, it was just like, it was sort of like we appreciated what we had <laughs> more than Absolutely. The, the competition. That's yeah. so cool. I grew up um, in a, in a tiny trailer, a travel trailer with four siblings. And yeah, when you're in the thick of it, sometimes uh, it's hard to realize what you have. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm wow. curious when you studied um, arts in college, did you ever second guess yourself? Did you ever wonder, you know, is this the right thing? Can I really make a living off of this? Or, or did you just have enough grit where you just knew I'm going to make this work no matter what happens? I was actually having a conversation last night with a college student uh, about um, their future and how they're so passionate about the arts, but they just feel that's not even a possibility to pursue. I'm curious if you had a struggle there at all. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't remember specifically. I mean, all through like high school, I was waiting tables and, and, you sure. know, when I, I, I just loved the idea of going to art school. It was sort of like, you know, I was, I did fine in school, but art was my favorite and I loved all different kinds of, you know, creating art. And, and I, and so art school was a, was a perfect choice for me. I don't sure. think, I don't think I was worried about like getting a job. I, I don't think I was focused on that at first. And yeah. I actually, I try to tell students now and, you know, tell my own, you know, daughter is like, don't worry, you know, the, the, the job will come. It's like, just pursue the things you love. And, 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 you know, so I don't think I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. I was still waiting tables, but when I finally, and you know, my first year I did foundation year. So I was doing all different kinds of art. Mm -hmm. And then I had to pick a major for my second year and I, and I chose communication design and I didn't really know, wow. but I thought, okay, I, you know, and I was, so I was like kind of learning how to do advertising or something. And I wasn't, but I, that's when I took the animation class that they had at Pratt that really inspired me and made me want to do animation. And so hmm. I think, you know, I, I, I really remember I applied to CalArts, was kind of surprised when I got in and I spent all summer working as a waiter um, to save up money. 
And I remember it was just, I worked so hard that summer and I was trying to save up money so that I could really, you know, focus on, you know, just, you know, focus on school when I, when I got there that, um, I kind of vowed to myself that that would be the last time I would wait tables. And so, (laughs) and I, and I, and once I got to CalArts and once I started studying animation, I, I started working in animation and, and I've been working in it ever since. So I was like, you know, maybe, you know, I'm jinxing myself and <laughs> I'm going to be back there at some point. But I remember, I think that was always like I had a, a whatever, a fallback. Sure. So, I, you know, I don't think I was so, but I, but I really wanted to work in animation. And once I found mm-hmm. animation, it just became the thing that, that I wanted to do. And, and That's luckily nice. I was, I had, I was kind of supported and, and I was able to have this organic process where I was able to discover that. That's really cool. And I love that you just started making stuff. You didn't wait for some great opportunity to happen. I think that sometimes is the missing piece. As I talk to creatives today, they're waiting for something to just fall in their lap or something to happen or an opportunity to be given to them. But um, really, you just have to start making stuff. And if it's good, it should get noticed. There are a few rare exceptions. But I think it's so cool that you and your brother just kind of jumped in with both feet and let's just make something. And, yeah. and it seems like, you know, you, you kind of have the secret sauce, you know, what, how to tell a good story and, and things sort of, uh, progressed from there. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about post-college life and, and, and that piece of things as you just started making stuff and people, uh, started to notice that? Well, I, I think it was a, a couple of things happened at CalArts. I remember there was, there was a message that hit home to me and that was, um, you know, it, it's actually kind of what you're saying where the, you know, the message was, um, you know, kind of firmly rooted, um, you know, this idea that you, if, if, if you create your own opportunities, you'll never be like wanting in that idea yeah. of like, you know, yeah. And if you're going to wait around, you know, you can wait around a long time. And, and so that was, that was something I guess that was ingrained in me. And my, my first short film that I did while I was at CalArts ended up sort of sparking my desire to make another short film and I think I just I saw short film as such a as such an incredible opportunity to 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 make a personal statement and to sure. explore and kind of create art and and but also sort of say something and and yeah. and and tell a story while doing it and entertain at the same time like it, it just was very very um, much appealing to me and 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 then that was the kind of the amazing thing that I learned is like every time you do that every time you strike out on your own and try to do something it's actually going to create other opportunities that you could never expect hmm. and um uh so the second short I did ended up getting noticed and got me a lot of attention and and that's when I got um I got picked up at by satellite films as, and they wanted to rep me as a director and that's that was that was um Spike Jones company wow, yeah and he gave me, yeah, he said the same thing. He said, don't ever, his advice was amazing. It was like, don't ever wait for permission from anyone to do something. Like, wow. just do it. Just find a way to do it. And, yeah, so I've, I've just been very lucky to just have, have that kind of support, but also be driven to do, you know, to, to do stuff. And, and yeah. I think what I really liked is I found that, for me, my first film I made ended up really being like, therapy for me. And, and that awesome. was like, it was in a good way. And, <laughs> and, and, and I think that that's kind of been true for every, every project I've done is, yeah. is actually in some sort of like therapeutic exercise. That's awesome. Well, yeah. can we dive into that a little more that I'm curious sure. about the therapy piece? Um, how, how so was it therapy for you? The, the well, initial project? I, you know, it's weird. It's like, 
I've kind of heard this that, you know, sometimes you you have an intention when you're making a film and yeah. you sort of think you know what it's about. And then like sort of later on, you discover what it's really about. <laughs> oh, <wait. you> know? <laughs> and yeah. and I was actually mining him for my first film. I was mining um, a, a really significant nightmare that I had that mm. was that was really an anxiety dream. Oh, wow. And it was really about my it was about my separation. Like when I left New York and went to California, I was very um, I felt very separated from, you know, my girlfriend at that time, who's now my wife, Kim, and, you know, and, and being separated from my, my brother and my family. And it was like, there was a lot of uh, anxiety and stress and pressure of this sort of like being out in the world sure. and sort of being detached from everything. And, um, so it was very, it was a very complicated time. And so that film ended up sort of being, I, I use that as a way to sort of explore that, that idea of sort of the fear of the unknown and, and sort of, um, you know, it's a coming of age story, loss of innocence. And anyway, it was, it was, it was good. It was fun. To, and, and uh, what I didn't realize at the time is I was diving into stuff that was really primal. It was really significant to me, but it was really primal. And it was really something that a lot of people could relate to because it kind of connects to something that's very sort of deeply, you know, kind of, um, in us and innate. My second film ended up you know, I knew at the time I was in a p position where I was very worried that I was going to have to go get a job in the industry. Mm. And so my second film, More, ended up really becoming this very powerful statement about trying to be an independent filmmaker and the perils of of trying to sort of um, go for success. And, you know, it was it ended up being this really significant and it, it was a significant moment. We had just we had just had Maddie, our, our, our first uh, mm. child. And wow. You know, I was feeling a lot of pressure to be a provider and to have a real job and, and more was sort of like a last ditch effort to stay independent. And it ended up and ended up expressing something that was really quite powerful, I think. And a lot of people ended up connecting to it. And again, it was something very primal, mm. you know, this idea of sort of um, loss of innocence and, and sort of, um, you know, sort of longing for the freedom of youth. And, um, you know, it ended up sort of like, yeah. I, every time I see it, it's sort of like, oh, wow, it's, there's a lot going on there. But the <laughs> The funniest example I'll give was I, I did a music video and it was for a band, a, a, a singer songwriter named Stina Nordenstam. Hmm. And it's a project that there was no budget. The song was called Keen Yellow Planet. And I made this music video for no money. And it's fully, it's like animated. It's a little goofball and you can find <laughs> it. Online. But when people see it, like I didn't know at the time. And this one is hilarious because I so did not know what it was about. I just, I had an idea and I was pursuing this yeah. idea. The song, I just interpreted the song in a certain way. And I, and I created this little story and it, and it was really, it was about this little kid whose dream gets crushed. And mm -hmm. it was like, it was like this little kid who's so excited because he's basically going to go to like an intergalactic Disneyland and he's going to see like this, his favorite character, he's going to meet him for the first time. <laughs> and when he goes, it's like a, it's like a really crappy animatronic, you know, thing. And it's really, <laughs> it basically, it's like a soul crushing experience. Yes. And I'll never forget, like, so uh, <laughs> I had a um, growing up star, Star Wars was really important to me. Oh, yes. And Empire Strikes Back, even more important to me. Um, so when episode one came out, I was crushed. Oh, and man. Yes. It really, really threw me for a loop. But my, um, so my friend sees Keen Yellow Planet music video and he goes, oh, my God, he goes, that's you seeing <laughs> episode one for the first time. Oh, man. And he was 100 percent right. Wow. And it was curious how how I didn't even realize that that's what I was doing. But wow. uh, it was definitely like, a, whoa, this, this is like, <laughs> wait a minute. 
<laughs> I was really dealing with some deep, deep stuff there because like I got so sick when I saw episode one, it was like, I like my religion was taken away from oh, me and my, I got the flu for two weeks. Like my, my, oh, my, wow. my wife, and my kids still make fun of me because it was so like kind of sad. Devastating but, for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, I've recovered. That, yeah. whew, good to know. But man, that yeah, there's nothing like that letting you yeah. down. Um, I'm curious, you know, when you when you connect to a story and you really want to just make it, make something great for people to enjoy, as you're building up a team to create that story with you, mm-hmm. um, what? How do you deal with maybe folks who aren't connecting with it as as strongly as you are or does that matter if you're at the helm and you're the one who has the vision and knows that people are going to connect with it how you've dealt with people who've kind of lost that spark with uh, the connection to the story well I I mean I think a big part of a director's job uh, you know especially in animation where the crews are huge and you know the projects are big a big part of the job is getting the crew to really be excited and really believe in in, in what they're doing, and and yeah. you know, a big part of the job is communicate. Excuse me, communicating like why this movie has to be made, and 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 why you know why you care about it, and and yeah. you know, and that can be infectious. And that was um, Little Prince. Little Prince was actually an extraordinary opportunity and experience because. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a terrifying prospect. The idea of, of of adapting such a beloved book and something that's so truly valuable and 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 mm-hmm. it's a unique experience for every single person. So everyone's got a different connection with the book. Everyone's got their own very personal sort of interpretation. Yeah. And so I kind of had to very early on find a way to not only convince people that I really believe that what we were doing by making the movie was they, the best way to celebrate and honor the book and to pay mm-hmm. tribute to the book. But it was a way to celebrate and honor the fact that the, the common connection between us all is that, that we all have a significant connection to the book. You know, like that's, that's the only common thing. <laughs> Everybody has their own, but yes. the common thing is that we all have. So it was basically, I learned to do this in, incredible sort of like song and dance, like huge, like, um, roadshow kind of pitch <laughs> that was intended to engage um, all the artists that I wanted to work on the movie or engage anybody that I was trying to convince that this was the right thing to do and and ha- and and kind of win them over and have them feel uh, like fall in love with the project too and so sure. by the end of that you know that became a really important part of the process for me um, and 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 you know that that's the key is like you want to find people who can fall in love with the project because you want them to love what they're doing. And you don't want any artist working out of obligation. It has to be out of sheer devotion to the project. And, but at the end of the day, it's like what you want is you want everybody who is so excited to follow you wherever you will lead them because they believe that you're, you are excited about the project and you believe in the project. And you, you really have to find something deep that is meaningful to you, no matter what the project is, and you have to find a way to lock onto that and and explore that to its fullest. And you have to be able to, you know, to, to, in my mind, that that's the way. And that was the thing that I, was amazing. On Little Prince, I I pitched the movie hundreds of times. I can't even tell you how many times because it was really important to make sure everybody was understanding what was at the heart of it and what was the sure. core of it and what was exciting to me. And then the other thing that happened that was kind of magical is every time I would pitch it, I would be reminded, you know, instead of de- dealing with the details, which you're always on a daily basis, you're making a yes. thousand decisions a day about little things that all add up to something big. Yes. 
but I, when I would pitch it, I would, I would be reminded of the big picture. I would, I would be reminded of all the, the big ideas that I need to be focusing on all the, all the themes. And, and, you know, once you kind of do that, you know, it sort of reminds you and resets you and, and you think of it, it, you know, sort of globally. And that's, that's, I think the hardest thing to do making an animated film over the course of three to five years is like, you can get lost in the details. Yes. And so to step back and get somebody excited about what, what you're excited about in the project is sort of like a great refresher on sort of what's really, really important and it helps you make decisions. Oh, absolutely. I, and I think that the um, general public <laughs> doesn't necessarily understand, you know, what goes into the role of being a director. I think often the director, of course, is celebrated alongside those we see on the screen or here, you know, mm. in the case of animation. Um, but the, the emotional intelligence that I imagine has to be a part of your everyday uh, routine and job and, and keeping so many amazing creatives, you know, motivated and on the same page, even though so many of them are naturally, but I, I can only imagine it's definitely challenging and a constant learning experience and, and quite a, uh, crash course in being a, a really visionary, uh, communicative leader. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, a complicated and kind of crazy process. Um, and, you know, I think that's why for me, I've been very, very lucky with all the projects I worked on where I'm like, I'm so in love with what we're, uh, what we're trying to do and the ambition of what we're trying to create and the, and the boundaries that we're pushing and the envelope that, you know, like, it's like, you know, <laughs> yes. every time I've done something, it's like kind of going and doing something a little bit experimental, a little bit crazy, a little bit, you know, which is exciting. And, and Absolutely. so it does, it does help to keep everybody. I don't know. For me, it's like, I think animation is unlimited. Uh, the, 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 the the levels of expression and the, the possibilities are quite yes. endless and, you know, and so it's, it's just, it feels like we're still very early on and exploring what, what, what can be done in animation. So, yeah. 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 So it's, so I like to sort of invite everybody into that process and try to get people excited about what we can do that, you know, hasn't been done as Absolutely. opposed to sometimes it's just sort of like, Oh, it's the same old, same old. <laughs> and you know, that's yes. pretty likes that. Yeah. Have you explored VR at all? I'm curious. I'm really curious about it. I love it as a, as an idea. And I've actually, you know, tried some, you know, I've like d done demos and seen shorts and I'm like, I was, I was blown away by a couple of things that I saw in particular. Shannon Tyndall did a short for Google spotlight stories. That yes. was, I laughed so hard. I cried and it was genius. <laughs> um, did you see it? Do you know the one yes, I'm talking about? Yes. So I think it's called on ice. I on ice. Right. Yes, oh my yes. God. And, and I honestly, I saw that and I was like, okay, <laughs> until okay, I can come up with something that's this. better than that, there's no point. And, um, so I've been trying in the back of my head, been trying to think of ideas that could use the format. And I, you know, and that for me is, is tricky. I can't just dive in and go, okay, no, I have a story yeah. to tell. I feel like I have to come up. But anyway, I've been, they've been bugging me. They want me to do one and I kind of <laughs> want to do one and I just want to have one of those like setups. Like that's kind of, I keep, keep dipping my toe in and thinking like, I should just buy one of those setups. But um, yeah, so I, I don't know, I'm really interested in it, but I'm also yes. afraid of it. And I'm afraid oh, yeah. of it. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying. I actually work in that world. So I work really? for an AR and VR company. And cool. it's really interesting. I do feel like um, a lot of folks in the entertainment industry are terrified of it, which I think makes perfect sense because you don't just want to use it as a gimmick um, yeah. or use it just because it exists. But 
I, I'm really excited to see how it evolves over the next few years. And um, mm. I'm, I don't know. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I just feel like I, I feel like I just barely know how to make movies the traditional <laughs> like, way. I feel like I'm always going to be I'm learning. I'm still trying to master this. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I till my dying day, I'm gonna still, I'm gonna feel like I don't know what the hell I'm doing, and I'm, you know, just trying to figure it out. So the idea of like going, okay, well now go over to this other whole other language in this whole other place, <laughs> and, you know, I force myself to try to think of it like think of it as theater, think of it as you know something else entirely. Okay. And it's um, scary. It is yeah. scary. Yeah. <laughs> and I work in the industry and I think it's scary, yeah. but it's fun. It's exciting. Um, along those lines, something you just mentioned, um, you know, learning to make animated movies. I know everything is so nuanced and planned and intentional. And mm -hmm. of course, it's a marathon of a process takes years. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm curious if when you're writing um, and kind of coming up with story and of course, working through the storyboard process, are you, do you have a really strong vision of how each shot is going to work? Is that your strength or um, do you have to work really closely with a team to determine, you know, each, yeah. each shot? I'm curious how That's visionary you are on that piece. I'm, I'm, I, I think, um, okay. I always look up to like Brad Bird and I imagine, I imagine Brad Bird to be the kind of guy who has the movie in his head and it's just a constant struggle of trying to get it out of his head onto oh, yeah. the screen. And, you know, and for me, um, I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to be, and I really don't think I'm, I'm a filmmaker like that because I, 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 I tend to go in terms of sort of story and feeling and I, and I, and I work from my gut and I, you know, I, I, sure. I think in terms of images, I think in terms of shots, I think in terms of moments, um, and, and, and I guess I'm 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 more going from a place of of theme and I guess I feel like I'm always developing from from more of an emotional place than it is sure. like a, a visual shot. place. So yeah, yeah and, I, and I really like so I like the process of working with writers and sort of figuring out what that story is, and then I like the process of working with story artists where we're actually sort of like then figuring out what those shots are, figuring out the like the most interesting way to approach it, the most interesting sure. way to the characters to help tell that story and it's like so for me it's a constant process of going from something that's very sort of fuzzy and out of focus and then and just sharpening that focus over time but I think what I what I tend to do is I know what the I I kind of have an idea of what the what it's about what it means what we're going after what we're trying to say sure. and what those ideas are that are we're going to sharpen over time to sort yeah. of solidify um, because I think that that to me is that that's the most important thing is I want I want the film to say something mean something mm -hmm. you know be meaningful and and I want it to be an emotional experience and so I kind of come at it from that angle and sure. you know and that's and I cool. yeah and I and I love the process in animation because you're cross pollinating I I think the most you know the best animated films are they sort of come out of this great sort of like hopper where you know art is inspiring stories stories inspiring art you know animations inspiring writing writings inspire you know like the, everything totally. is inspiring all the different steps are are uh, a new um sort of creative opportunity to sort of build on uh what this is and that's what's that you know that was something that I think I've been sort of feeling my way through, but Little Prince became the place where I perfected that only because it was, I, w I was pitching it all the time. And, and even in the early days, like the pitch was a representation of what the film was. All the details weren't there, hmm. but we, we really didn't stray very far from what that, what that pitch was. Sure. The actual that's, shots. That's impressive. The 
details and everything else kind of we filled in all the details and everybody was like everybody had ideas everybody had their own impressions of what the book meant and you know and so it's like this great collective collaborative kind of you know uh, it's like a happening you know yeah, Every, yeah. <laughs> everybody's like kind of engaging in at a at a very sort of deep emotional level and and then bringing their art bringing their best to the table that's really cool i like that but collaborative yeah. approach sounds pretty fascinating. I, I would imagine it's pretty rare for there to be an individual that just has such a clear, strong vision for each shot and each piece of the story. So um, it's kind of nice to hear that uh, you aren't superhuman. <laughs> so well, I mean, no, I'm sure you have superhuman elements. But <laughs> no, 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 I'm very much a human. And that's like, that's like <laughs> the, the daily struggle. And, and, totally. <laughs> but I love, I love when, you know, I, as much as I love, you know, studying the directors I really admire and sort of the process and kind of learning from, you know, I love when I see Ridley Scott's mm. like scribbled storyboards yes. and like, you know, like, um, even Scorsese's scribbled boards, mm. but then I'm equally, uh, overjoyous when I discover like there was a deleted like scene for Jaws and that Spielberg filmed and, and, um, I saw, you know, I found it on the 25th anniversary of the DVD and it was like, Oh my God, like he filmed a scene that, that is totally what? unnecessary and totally <laughs> superfluous and actually ruins the introduction of Quint. And I was like, you know, I was so excited when I found that cause I'm like, he's human, he's yes. human. But That's yeah, so I'm cool it's great, you know, to look up to these filmmakers and, and, and be inspired by them and, you know, and, and to try to learn and, you know, but, but I find that, um, yeah, I just, I, I really love the collaborative process so much because mainly because like, it gives me a chance to work with people that are way more talented than I am. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm like, I liked animation. I liked drawing. I like, like, I liked everything and I was okay, but I was never like excellent at any of it. Sure. And that's, I, um, you know, even when you look at my short film more, like I'm really proud of that film and, and, mm. you know, I had a small crew, I had some really dedicated people helping and, you know, a lot of great help on that all, but it, but it's, it's a little bit rough. It's not, it's not sure. and, yeah. and that's when I learned, learned more, sort of my greatest lesson is it's much, it, it, it's much better to have something that's, that's finished, that's imperfect than mm. to, to have three or four shots that are perfect, you know, and. I think that was that was also something that motivated me all along. It's like everything's a learning process. Everything's a part of your learning experience. And, you know, don't don't be too hard on yourself if it's not meeting your expectations. Sometimes you got to just put something out there, even if it feels subpar to you, because you have to learn from it. You have to learn how people respond to it. And my first film, Greener, that I did at CalArts, I thought it was a disaster. And then I won prizes at film festivals. So, (laughs) you know, in in it. Yeah. It's like, you never know. You never know. You're, you're, I think you're usually as an, you know, your worst critic when you're, when you're making stuff and you kind of have to keep that in mind. True. And I think it's cool that you took a cue from yourself and you, you didn't force yourself into something that you weren't super stoked about. Uh, You know, I'm going to be an animator, whether it kills me or not. Um, You kind of, Mm. you know, you were in tune with where your strengths lie and, and kind of let that guide you a little bit. I think that's really, really neat. Um, so you do a lot of directing, but you also do, of course, a lot of writing as well. Um, and I, I'd love to dive into that subject a little bit more. Um, and I think the first question I have here is, um, in your mind, and I try to ask everyone, um, who's been in the world of story, uh, this question, and I always love hearing the different answers. Um, in your mind, what separates a good story from a great story? Hmm. Boy. It's a loaded question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, 
I guess I would just say, you know, to me, the stories that make the most impact on me are the stories that are meaningful mm -hmm. and emotional and create a reaction, you know, and create sure. a create a an emotional experience in me. And and I'm always amazed when when a when a movie can do that, when when something can do that, a piece of art can actually sort of like pull something out of you or or give you you know remind you of something that you've forgotten about and like you know there's a, it's quite powerful so i uh so going so i would say the bi the big difference for me would be you know if there is some connection to a, a deep human truth or something that is very uh honest or revealing or something that allows for um, for you and the audience to, to actually participate in the, in the process mm -hmm. of watching something. And I find that that's when I really analyze like the films that are very meaningful or moving to me, it's, uh, when I go back and try to track it and figure out like what it is, like what's scientifically sure. look at it, you know, what, yeah. what, how does it happen? <laughs> and then it's usually cause it's, it's fulfilling something, um, you know, and, and it's therapeutic. So yeah. I, I guess for me, it's like, truthful stories like i just saw uh, Thelma and louise again for the first time on the big screen oh, that's great and like that movie's amazing yeah and it is. i loved it when it came out and i i saw it a bunch of times and watching it again i was like it's amazing to me how relevant it still is and it's a little bit depressing yes. just how relevant <laughs> it still is but it's because it's dealing with a human human truths mm -hmm. and and those human truths are are relatable, whether you're male or female or, you know, it's like, yeah. and I think it's like um, incredibly relatable. And so I guess that's where it starts. To, it starts to transcend. And um, my daughter gave me a, uh, the when she was like nine or 10, my favorite review that she ever gave a movie. And I reminded her this the other day and I won't say the movie, but she saw a movie. And I was like, how was it? And she said, well, she said it was OK but it's not like I'm going to remember it. <laughs> and I think that's the that's thing. That's brilliant. Like, yeah. I was like, that's exactly what I'm trying to do every day is make something that stays with you <laughs> and make something that means is meaningful, feels and makes like my favorite movies are the ones that I can't stop thinking about mm -hmm. for days, you know? That's and um, I think that's like, there's, there's something mysterious there. There's something emotional. Yeah, there's something yeah. human. And, um, it's hard to pinpoint a little bit. Yeah. And that's where I kind of feel like even like when I look at Kung Fu Panda, like that was a film that was, you know, I was invited into the process. Um, that film was having, uh, the, the studio was struggling. They, they thought of it as a, a kind of a Shrek type parody gotcha. of martial arts movies. And, you know, and I, I guess I was, I said, well, look, if it were, if it were something I, you know, I were doing, I would want to do it this way and that way. And I talked about mm. sort of making it not only a real martial arts movie that is the best of martial arts, you know, trying to do something that's like an epic, beautiful martial arts movie like Hero, which I saw that inspired me. But like, I was like, what if it's a real human story that I very much relate to, which is about somebody who, you know, as a kid is a big fan of something and, you know, can't ever imagine being up at the level of his heroes. And like, yes. and, and that idea that, you know, for me, it was like, you know, it was very much inspired by I was a kid. I, I played with my Star Wars figures all the time. And I was like, I was in love with, you know, Star Wars. I was obsessed with it. Yes. And, you know, kids actually even started calling me toy boy. You know, it's like <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I was a little bit ashamed, but, it, you know, it was sort of owning it at the same time. And, and I guess I go back, I whisper to my, you know, 
my 11, 12 year old self and say, you know, don't be proud of that. Like, don't worry about that. It'll all come out in the wash, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I love it. That's so cool. Do you enjoy the process of writing or is it a little bit like pulling teeth? I've heard a lot of uh, different writers, people who are really gifted talk about how much the process, it's just so laborious and difficult and they hate the process, but they love the product. I'm curious how, how that is for you. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I'm, I, if I had to sit down and stare at a blank page and create something on my own, I don't think I could do it. And I, <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I've, I've, it has, I've done that in the past. It's been like pulling teeth. I've kind of created my shorts, like, you know, by doing that. But I, but what I've found is what I really love, uh, I love, since I love the collaboration and I love the fact that when you're making an animated movie, you're constantly writing and rewriting and you're, yeah. You're, you're rewriting an editorial, you know, you're constantly shaping the movie and that that process is ongoing. And so for me, that's what I, I love. I love working like right now I'm working with a writer named Adam Klein, who I've lo- loved his work for like going back more, you know, like a decade now. And, and <laughs> his work really inspires me. And now we're finally we're working together on like three projects. And, and awesome. I love getting together with him. I love the process of, of hammering something out, kicking something around, you know, somebody, you know, you know, throws out a, a weird idea, somebody misinterprets it, you know, it's like, you know, even, even that process of like sort of inviting somebody else into the pitch room and then kind of telling them what we're, we're cooking up. And then, you know, they, they throw out an idea and it's like that, that sort of ping ponging around and that kind of spitballing, like to me, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And then the, the hard part is like, it's, you know, um, you know, just trying to make sure that you keep it, keep it, um, keep the thing in it that you believe in that mm-hmm. when you're, you're just improving, when you're just like throwing out ideas and, and, and it's coming from a really pure place and it's like coming from a place of instinct, mm-hmm. like that's when it's really fun and it is like improv. And that's what I, what I like then figuring out how to like, then keep the shape of that and keep that fresh and not let it sort of sure get, you know, noted to death. And like, you know, it's like the process of trying to make sure that these, these, um, you know, sort of, uh, these, uh, you know, weird ideas can, 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 can work and get you, you want them to fully blossom and you, you know, mm-hmm. it's like taking it all the way through the process. That's where it gets kind of maddening, you know, cause you're kind of beating your head against the wall to get everything to, to, yeah. to work the best it can and to tell the story. And sometimes you don't, you, you think you're telling the story and you're not, you know, you think you're communicating something and it's not coming across. And, you know, so it's like, I think it's a, it can be frustrating. Um, but I, I do love, I do love that, um, magical thing that happens. And, and to me, it happens across the board. You're wor- working with animators, working with the voice actors where mm. you, you sort of like, you start talking about the, what you need. You start talking about what the movie needs. You start talking about the emotion of it. You start talking about the, the thematic elements and you start talking about what the scene needs. And then, and then before you know it, like the, every artist is sort of bringing new ideas to the table and, and this thing just kind of, it's, it starts, it starts turning into the stronger version of itself. And it, and it, you know, it's just like, a, I don't know. I really, I really, I find it to be fun, but yeah, I, I don't think it, I like, I don't think I can do the version. They just sit down and, and <laughs> yes. peck away. I think that would drive me nuts. And Absolutely. I, yes. Yeah. 
So when you have a production team together, it seems, you know, you're in the um, kind of thick of it together. Everyone is on the same page. Everyone knows where the story is headed. They've seen the storyboards. They, they're they basically on the same page with you. They've heard you speak about your vision enough. When it comes to bringing in uh, the voice talent side of things, mm-hmm. have you found any particular method really helpful in terms of getting them up to speed and understanding their character really well and getting the performance out of them that you need? Because you by that point, you probably have a pretty strong vision of how you know this scene the breakdown is and and the emotional level but i know it's it's a process kind of getting yeah. um, them on the same page i'm curious if there's anything that you've learned or found particularly effective or if everybody's just so different well i i find that the thing that's worked for me consistently is to not let the cement dry mm-hmm. so in the creative process of trying to work out like okay you know we we're, we're boarding the movie we're doing scratch recordings we're kind of approximating what we think you know might work Mm -hmm. and when you're looking at those early days it doesn't necessarily work and everybody has to squint at it and everybody has to go well you know when you get real actors in there it'll 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 (laughs) it'll start working better and 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 honestly i didn't think at a character level you have an idea of who that character is and a characterization of that Mm -hmm. character but when you go into the record, I want to go in with wet cement and go like you're part of the process now. Mm-hmm. And and so it's not about making sure the the actor understands what you want them to do. It's about giving them autonomy. Yeah, it's about giving them making sure they understand what the opportunity is mm-hmm. and what what. And so then you're so for me, it's been like amazing. So like we had an idea of what Jack Black was going to do as Poe. Like we've sure. kind of. We were tailoring that character for him. We were like, I was a huge fan of Tenacious D. Mm-hmm. You know, like I gave CDs of Tenacious D live in concert to all the story crew. Like we were like, <laughs> we were very much talking about the spirit of Tenacious D and this character of Poe. And we had an idea of a snarky guy. We had an idea of this guy that would get, you know, and we kind of had that idea based on other characters that uh, Jack had played in the past. And then what was amazing was what he brought to the table, how he developed that character, what he said, he said, you know, I don't want this guy to be annoying. And and he gave us a far more vulnerable and heartfelt character than we wow. could have imagined. So and, cool. and I even think that's part of the secret of Poe is that I do think it actually reveals mm-hmm. something very, very private and very real that Jack mm-hmm. had never quite put into a character before, had never quite revealed. And you know, and, and for me, and again, maybe I'm projecting and maybe for me, it just ended up sort of speaking to my sort of yeah. awkward, you know, teenage years, you know, yes. you know, to me, that was what was the power. And that was like, that wouldn't have happened if I said, Hey, we want it to be like this, this and this. Yeah. And so it kind of like, that was a real learning experience That's for me cool. and every step of the way, every actor I've worked with, you know, I've kind of, I've, and I, and I've always said to them, I want you to treat this like a real role. Don't mm-hmm. think of it as a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Don't think of it as a, as a, you know, as, oh, it's just animation, it's only for kids or whatever, whatever those sort of negative ways that sometimes people can look at animation. I said, I want you to think of this as a real character and I want you to help us figure out like who this character is and how this character acts and feels. And and each time you do that, I just have had an extraordinary experience, you know, especially with someone like, you know, someone as amazing as Jeff Bridges. Like I was just Mm -hmm. so honored to be in a room with him, Mm -hmm. but to let him, let alone like watch him find that character and then build on that you know what I mean like that's that's what's incredible so it's always the second session is the most incredible thing because the first session is a lot of playing around a lot of trying things Mm -hmm. 
And then we go back and we cut it together and we kind of use the best bits and pieces. And then we actually maybe even do a little bit of animation sometimes or whatever. And then by the time on the second session, I bring it back and I show them mm. and go, this is kind of where we, we, this is where we kind of net it out. And then they're sort of like, you know, whoa, <laughs> like this is yeah. like, wait. <laughs> and then, and then they build on that. That's and cool. so it's like, it's a, it's everybody's, everybody's working together to try to get to that place that nobody expects. That's brilliant. I love that. It's very, very insightful. Thank you for sharing. Um, sure. It sounds like you started kind of, we're, we're changing gears a little bit. It sounds like you started telling uh, stories and storytelling and in, in art school, of course, before you were a dad. Um, I'm really curious about how um, your storytelling has maybe changed or uh, what you've learned in terms of once you were a parent, um, how your creative process evolved or how just being a dad in general has changed the way you approach story? Uh, boy, that's a, that's a really good question. I mean, uh, I guess I've always. Or maybe it hasn't changed. It's just, I, I it's just added to your life experience, which of course yeah, improves I, your storytelling. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know that it has, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Sure. I mean, my children, like impacted my life so significantly. And like the first moment, mm. you know, my daughter arrived on the scene, like it, it just, it, it blew my mind. Like it just mm. changed. It just changed the way, like I looked at everything, you know what I mean? And oh, that, absolutely. and, and I, and I, and I, it was something I could never have understood. And even people told me leading up, they said, I can't even explain to you, but you'll see what happens. Yes. And so I think in that case, if, I think what it did maybe is it strengthened my, my, what I was already sort of doing instinctually, which was, mm. you know, I wanted to, I wanted to tell, I wanted to tell stories that had a purpose and, and, and I think it just made me want to be more, you know, even more purposeful because like, I, I know when, when Maddie was little and when Riley, my son was little, like, you know, always wanting to find films that were meaningful and rich and, would would actually give them something as opposed to just entertain them, you know, and that. So I think that I, I from those are the films that affected me and and when I was young. And so I think I kind of was focused on that kind of all along. Um, but I think it just it strengthened it uh, and made me sort of, I guess, get more. I don't know, serious about it, you sure, know, yeah. No, no, that makes perfect sense. And yeah. um, now that you have a daughter that is she's entering really womanhood. Um, yeah. it seems to me, I mean, for, I've, I've checked out your social feeds a little bit. It seems like you're really passionate about women's rights and the issues that women face in today's world. Often when I ask men this question, they get uncomfortable. <laughs> so <laughs> that's not my intention. Yeah. Um, in, in the world of entertainment, how have you been able to kind of be a door opener and a, a different, um, example and influence in that space when it comes to giving, you know, women the opportunities that, uh, maybe their male colleagues sometimes may yeah. get a little more easily. I think, you know, where I'm going with this, but yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. how, what have you found is helpful? Because I oftentimes I, I get a little, um, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but maybe agitated seeing women form women's groups, which is great. And I'm a part of many of them, but neglecting the fact that we have to have good solid relationships with our male colleagues in order to create those opportunities that we're hoping to uh to achieve if, if that makes sense i feel like there needs yeah. to be um that that partnership and that relationship as opposed to um segregating ourselves off you know women mm -hmm. versus men us versus them um, i'm just curious what your take yeah. is on that whole thing 
Well, I'm, I'm going to start by saying like, you know, like I think part of the problem is um, unconscious bias. I think it's probably the well, biggest of course, part sure. of the problem. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of true sort of conscious bias. But sure. for me, it was it for I didn't realize just how biased I was in, in a lot of sure, ways. Sure. So once my eyes were. It, yeah. yeah. Once my eyes were open to that, though, that's when I sort of became I sort of felt like it was important to then sort of. I feel like ever since then, and that I, you know, my eyes were opened by a study I did for. Um, it was um, looking at diversity on screen mm -hmm. in family films, and it was the Gina Davis Institute yes. for researching gender yes. and media, and and they blew my mind because I thought I was part of the solution, and I discovered you know I'm part of the problem, mm -hmm. and I and I also don't think I was quite fully aware of just how privileged and lucky I am to have the opportunities that I have. Hmm. And um, I'm now a member of Women in Animation. Oh, I'm, that's awesome. I yeah, love that I'm, organization. I, I do too. Jinko Goto, who is my um, yes. producing partner on Little Prince and is extraordinary. And she's a, a member and, you know, I, you know, she's very, very much involved. And she was sharing yeah. what they were what they were discovering, you know, when it comes to sort of women are studying to, to work in animation, and but they don't. they're dropping off. Yeah. And, and and so it's like they're they're kind of trying to figure out, like, what's going on? And, you know, and there's a point where I was like. She's like, you should join. And I was like, what? Am I allowed? And it's like, of course. And it's like, and I don't think that's one of those things that's like 100% clear. And I've even said back to them, like, you guys should make sure it's really a, a, you're, yeah. you're, you're being very open. And I try to encourage people. And, and you know, my, my I think for me, it was like what I try to do. And, and we did this on Little Prince. I really I once I recognized there was this problem and this inequity. Mm -hmm. And even in my own experience, I was I was staring at the Little Prince trying to figure out how to adapt it into a movie. Mm. And I, I seriously didn't, you know, I wasn't thinking about it enough um, in, in a broad sense sure. until I did the study. And when I did the study, I came home, it blew my mind. I came home, I looked at the book, and that was tr truly the first time I went, oh my God, every character is male except for the Rose. Wow. And, th and that's when I was like, well, now how am I going to deal with this? Because I <laughs> yes. got my eyes open to this thing. And that actually is how I was so excited when I when I came back to the Gina Davis um, people and said, like, you guys inspired me. I'm adapting The Little Prince. And I've made the main character of the movie a little girl oh as a God, way to yeah. balance the book and as a way to balance out mm. powerful character of The Little Prince with this little girl. And it was a way to sort of it was a way to sort of create a balance. It was a way to sort of, you know, it, it really helped me get out of a, a problem, which, you know, when you look at just the pages of the book, it's impossible to turn into a movie. And so I was needing to look outside the pages of the book. I was needing to, you know, and so anyway, they, that encouraged me. And then so from that on, I was just so grateful to them and really looking at all aspects of, you know, we, we, we looked to um, when we were hiring. Um, I was very, I, my, my, my first hire was a writer. I wanted to find a woman. I wanted to work with a woman a writer who could help balance my own thoughts and feelings. And I wanted to sure. make sure that I was approaching it from all angles. So it kind of we had that attitude throughout um, hiring on, on the show. And in fact, I think we had more female animators on the on our show than I knew even existed. We had oh, wow. um, I think close to 35 wow. percent on the on the CG side, in, you know, 30 to 35 percent women animators and that was by design and it was also like like i said I, it was it was um it was surprising to me that we could find mm -hmm. so many uh, talented uh talented women that that i think really helped tremendously mm -hmm. 
in in our pursuit to tell this story that was really supposed to be a very universal um, story. And so I think having a balance is like, I think it's the best way to approach it. And so I'm constantly just trying to sort of keep an open mind and, and, and you know, it's kind of just being aware of that, that oh, sure. let, not letting that unconscious bias yeah. creep. No, that's, that's brilliant. And we all have them. I mean, we live and aren't guilt free of it either. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's amazing to see the shift that is taking place. And I, I yeah. too love that study that the Gina Davis Institute did. Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say, like, I wanted to reference, you know, I was a part of a panel mm. that, you know, um, for the Hollywood Reporter did of, of, you know, and, and whatever we got, we got, we got trashed because it was a bunch of white dudes sitting around talking, oh, you know, yes. you know, and it was like, at the, on the one hand, it was like, okay, I totally get it. And I'm right there with you. Like, I, I'm right there yeah. with you. And, and, but it was, it was, it was hard because like, mm. you know, that, yeah, all, that's hard. Yeah. I didn't even, for some reason, I didn't even realize you were part of that panel, but no, no, no. Yeah. I, I like, I was just so happy to be on the panel because yeah. my little movie, like you're you know, doing something like, about it, <laughs> like desperate to, yeah. And, and I want to speak to that other issue. And, and, but yes. at the same time, it's like, I, there's only so much I can do and I can't just stop making films. And so all I can do is try to make films and have better representation and hire more women. And like, you know, so I'm, I'm definitely trying really hard to be part of the solution, which is amazing. but but, but it is, it's frustrating and I get it. And I see how frustrating it is for women filmmakers who don't feel like they have the opportunities. And, and so I think that's the, I think what you're saying, it's like, we all have to work together. I think it's not about, you know, like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to like not work on movies anymore just to give hopefully more women opportunities. It's like, I'm going to try to do what I can to, to try to create as much opportunity for diversity and, and by being a part of women. Anyway, I'm t- I feel like I'm being defensive now, but no, it's no, like, no. But no, I am it's, it's fair. No, I agree with you. And I try to, I try to have this conversation with men on a regular basis, whether it's men in tech which is yeah. more the sphere that I tend to, you know, have uh, relationships in or in right. entertainment. And, and I always feel it's unfortunate when, when guys feel uncomfortable when I bring that subject up, because I'm yeah. like, no, I'm actually, I, I want to just dialogue with you and, and how can we improve our approach, you know, as we're working yeah. alongside our male colleagues? Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with having men talk about the issue because frankly it reminds me a little bit of white silence you know in in issue of race i think if white people aren't talking about the issues and admitting that there is a problem then nothing's going to happen um and so not to compare you know gender struggles to racial struggles but you know i think i think it's healthy when both sides talk about it i think there's definitely a balance there so thank you for what you are doing that's that's really really insightful and amazing and, and i so appreciate uh, what you're doing to kind of help help things along, and I'm sure now that your daughter's entering the workforce and as well, her career just, evolves, there we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that's part of it too. It's like I want her to have every opportunity. I want her to, you know, and I totally. and, and you know, it's like I, I would hate for her to decide she doesn't want to do it because, you know, like if she decides she doesn't want to do it because she doesn't want to do it, that's fine. But but you know, it's like I would hate I would hate if if she's not um, able to pursue and 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 do the things that she is interested to do. And, Absolutely. you know, I think the same for everybody now, you know, totally. Yeah. Well, I've kept you for the full hour. I just have one final question for you. Thank you so much sure. again for your time. Um, and that would be if there's a, a creative that's listening, maybe somebody who is struggling between um, choosing a career that's safe or one that they're genuinely, truly passionate about. 
um, what words of advice would you would you give them in terms of, of really forging a path in their future and and uh, next steps they can take if they want to pursue more their, their passion as opposed to something that's safe? I do think that, you know, everybody's different. And I think some people are more, you know, some people thrive, you know, in a situation where they sort of jump in the deep end and they, you know, they bite off more they can chew. And then they, yes. you know, it's like, I, I try to encourage people to try that because you, you kind of never know. And, and you may find that, that it works for you. And, um, you know, I subscribe to the, to the belief that if you're afraid of something, it, it actually means that you're supposed to go pursue it. And if, you know, if something scares you that, that, that there's actually something there to that, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's going to enrich you in some way. And that, you know, um, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> but but I, 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 I do think it is like, you know, and it's it, doing something that's scary or doing something that you don't feel like a hundred percent equipped for it, it. It's, it's a, it's a good way to learn about yourself. And it's a good way. Um, and so I, I always say, take those challenges, you know, and you don't have to know 100%. But look, I'm going to go all the way back to when I when I first got into CalArts, I was surprised and kind of terrified. And I didn't yes. want to, you know, I didn't want to be apart from my my girlfriend at that time, Kim. And I didn't want to move away. Like there were, I had every reason not to, to, to do it, you know, and, and and I just found this letter recently about halfway through the production on the little prince and, and, um, you know, the, 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 she wrote me this incredibly supportive letter. Mm -hmm. And when I found it again, I was floored. She said all the things to me that, that you would want somebody to say to you. She was like, pursue your dreams, you know, <laughs> like great. you have to do this, like, you know, don't be scared. Like, you know, and, and don't worry about the money and just, you know, just, okay, just go and go down this road. And, and you know, that you're going to, you're going to, you know, she's like, I know you're going to do great. And the thing, even like, you know, we'll always be together even if we're apart. But the letter ended with the quote from the little prince. And it mm -hmm. said, it is only with the heart that one can see rightly what is essential is invisible to the eye. And she subsequently gave me the the book. And it was the first time I had oh, ever wow. been in the book. And and I couldn't believe it. I, that quote was so mm. that quote was so significant to me. And that was what was the core of the movie when it really came around and, and I was asked to think about making this movie. That's like that amazing. quote was the core of it. And so that really pivotal moment in my life. I guess when I look back at that and I, you know, I'm, I tell her every day how grateful I am to have that kind of support. You know, it's like that. I was very, very lucky to have that. And and I think that's you kind of have to do that to yourself if you don't have somebody who can do that for you. But, um, you know, yeah. like when I look back at it, I was like I was terrified. It's yeah. totally normal and natural. He's <laughs> scared. You know, it's like that's Absolutely. normal. And um, yeah. so, yeah, I just say I would say know that you can, you know, the if you if you fail if if you make a wrong choice you make a mistake you 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 can learn from that pick yourself up and making mistakes is i think one of the best ways to to learn that's awesome great words of wisdom thank you mark i so appreciate you taking the time to talk today and share your heart and talk with a stranger for an hour <laughs> yeah no it's, it's great been... yeah me too good but uh, thank you you've been great this has been really fun and thank you're you really so good at this Say goodbye to your little friend. Thanks for listening to Basic Brainheart. I'm not great at farewells, so uh, that'll do, pig. Check back soon for more heart pumping, brain boosting content.